Hello and welcome to another episode of the Not This Podcast, the podcast that seeks to deconstruct fear-based belief patterns and systems with curiosity and love. My name is Tina Marie Olson and I am your host. And today's episode is me talking about something that is super pertinent for what is going on in the external world and therefore what is going on within ourselves, which is trauma and triggers. So we are currently navigating the ongoing pandemic and also we have added the major social, cultural, political issue of race relations in our country and the way that people of color have been treated for hundreds of years. The very foundation of our country was set on extremely unstable ground when it comes to celebrating all humans as one. And in order to heal so that we can come into unity consciousness, each and every one of us needs to personally heal so that we can then bring our gifts out into the world. So no matter where you are on your healing journey, I hope there are gifts in this episode for you. I'm sending you love. Trauma and triggers. This is a big topic and it's really, really important. Not only is it super pertinent right now with what is going on in the world, it's super pertinent with what's going on in your own being inevitably. In order to take this in bite-sized enough pieces that it makes sense to me and hopefully also to you, I think I'm going to start, I'm going to start with some basic definitions, but then I think I'm going to start personally and then we can move to culturally because the cultural issues right now are so huge that um, trying to put definition and proper language around all of it uh, feels like it requires a buildup. So thank you for coming on this adventure with me as always, and we'll see where, we'll see where this takes us. One thing I can tell you though before I even get started into definitions is there's something really, really important and I would even call it sacred about your own exploration into your personal trauma and triggers. Because most likely the trauma that you've been through And the things that trigger you most into seeing and healing that trauma are probably big parts of why you came here to experience life the way you did in this lifetime. And so many of the gems, the gifts that your soul chose to give you to then share with others most likely comes from your healing process from some of the hardest things that you've been through. I'm not going to say that that's an all statement for everybody. I'm not going to try to blanket that, but from my own personal experience and from watching others, that feels like it's true quite a bit of the time. 
It's definitely been true for me. So the first thing I want to give some language to is how triggers and trauma relate to each other. Most people are familiar with what triggers them, or at least some degree of what triggers them. They're familiar with the term trigger, uh, to me, can be anything from um, an actual physiological fight or flight or freeze response in the body where you feel that shot of hormones. Uh, I think primarily it's adrenaline and cortisol, and I know there's some others in the mix that happen as soon as the incident takes place. The trigger happens, the car almost runs over you in the crosswalk, the words are spoken out of somebody else's mouth that trigger you. The physiological response is like immediate, right? And it's not something that we sit there and we think about and then we decide, (laughs) oh, I think this is a good time to go into fight, fight, or freeze. It just, it happens. So that's one aspect of triggering. And I'll give you just like a quick anecdote for that one. When you are experiencing that kind of a trigger, super duper important to notice what happened that caused it because that's how you're going to be able to discern the hardwired programming you came in here with as a human, aka a car is about to run over you in the crosswalk and you did need to pick your head up and move your ass quickly. (laughs) Um, So you did need that in that case, it's probably a flight response to get yourself the hell out of the way so you didn't get run over by the car. That's something you don't want to change. You are kept here on this earth by being able to react that quickly to things that are in that much, um, bringing that much physical danger to you. Things that are not an immediate physical danger but are interpreted by the body as such. In the example I gave earlier, somebody says something to you. You receive an email um, or a phone call, you know, all kinds of things. I'm sure you could be walking down the grocery store shelves and see something or someone. Those are the ones to get super duper curious about because the body in that moment, if you're getting the shot of hormones and everything, and you're feeling that burning sensation maybe through your body or sometimes a cold flush. In that fight, flight, or freeze stage, we physically cannot cry. All of your systems are on alert, hyper-focused, but focused to keep yourself safe, focused for one outcome, which is to keep yourself safe. And when we have that happening in situations that are in relationship to others, or I should say like in non-physical threatening situations, that is quite often where our being is pointing us towards something where we had taken on a belief, a pattern, a way of thinking and being that is no longer serving us. It's keeping, it's perceiving that it's keeping us emotionally safe But most likely that emotional safety is from something that's maybe not currently happening. Maybe it is. Maybe it's something where you haven't set proper boundaries with a person and they continue to come to you with 
some amount of heavy, abusive, manipulative energy. And quite often it's something that happened quite a while ago or maybe not even in this lifetime. But your being is asking you to actually go in, love it, heal it, release it, reintegrate the energy. And I don't have time today to talk about all the ways to do that, but that's the whole reason that I have so many of the people that I have on the show as guests is to talk about some of those different ways of healing. So Kelsey Abbott, who is an intuitive human design reader and a certified coach, those are the modalities she uses to help people realign to um, the energy that they came to truly live in. Janet Raftis, who is a master energy healer, one of her genius gift offerings is to release that energy no matter where it came from. And a lot of times when this stuff is in the unconscious, we don't know where it came from. I've worked a ton with Janet on past lives. So I didn't have a story about why this energy was happening, which in a lot of ways actually made my healing process a lot easier because I wasn't stuck on, well, this happened. Um, I was like, I don't know what happened. I just know that I feel this way every time. So there must be, there must be something else here. Last week, it was Dr. Katie who does network spinal. And so that is a way to be recalibrating your nervous system back into the present moment and releasing energies. So it's not an accident that those were three of the first people that I talked to on this show because they all have things to offer that really, really help. Um, And so... With all that, I do believe that our triggers are gifts. And they aren't always going to feel like fight, flight, or freeze. They aren't always going to be a full shot of hormones. And if you get the full shot of hormones, the best thing to do is pause and breathe. Allow yourself to take really good care of yourself. Allow yourself to recover and then do some introspection. And the process of introspection might lead you into a trauma. And what part of why I wanted to have this episode is to expand at least what had been my, and so therefore I assume maybe many people's prior understanding of trauma. If you're listening, you might have a very extensive understanding of all the various forms that trauma takes, but you might not. And you might be thinking, trauma, I don't think I have any traumas. If traumas are categorized as being a Vietnam vet with PTSD or being raped or being shot but surviving. Those are very obvious traumas, right? Those are things that any human being, (laughs) at least you would hope, from the outside could look at that story and say, oh yeah, I see how somebody would be traumatized from that. And there is a whole litany of additional categories um, or words (laughs) that describe situations, experiences, feelings that are a part of our personal and collective trauma that maybe aren't as easily identified 
to others or maybe others need to awaken to the fact that those things are traumas in order to empathize and understand so the things that I'm talking about here are everything from (laughs) I'll just hit the big one first growing up in a capitalist society where we have been told that it's triumph over others, it's competition, it's eat or get eaten, it's hustle. Hustle, what matters is how hard you work, how often you show up to work, not whether or not you need to rest. Rest is for the week. Achieve, succeed. If you do, there's some prize for you. I don't know. The old school way of saying that would be like the white picket fence and the 2.5 children. That if you don't have the quote unquote perceived American dream, that somehow you have failed, that somehow you are personally responsible, you just need to work harder, pull yourselves up more by your bootstraps. And this in and of itself might be extremely triggering for you right now. And that's okay. It's actually really, really important that we see where we twinge around this stuff and that we don't turn away from the things that we twinge at or about. The more we turn away from our triggers and the things that we twinge or full-on react to, the more we accept them in other people and accept that that's just part of life, quote unquote. So the less we become compelled to truly be a part of a new way forward and change, and the more we hunker down into our own personal survival. Triggers are meant to show you where you feel that you're not safe or that you're not going to survive. That's the built-in system we all came here with. But if we use it that literally and we actually think or get deluded into thinking that we're actually not safe in many of those situations, again, already honoring the fact that There are situations where we're triggered for good reason for our safety, right? Like we get to just hold that container solid and put it over to the side for right now. So what I'm talking about are the rest of the emotional triggers that are pointing you towards your gifts. They're pointing to you towards your purpose. They're pointing you towards energy that's trapped in old situations or in outdated ways of thinking and believing. Most of it's in your subconscious. Your subconscious runs most of your programming. So remember, we're all like computers. We all came here with certain operating systems and certain software, and then we get programmed by our experiences. And if we don't actively work with our programming, we just accept the programming that was given to us. Some of that programming is fantastic. Why would I do anything to reprogram Microsoft Word when my only need is to make some basic PDF documents every once in a while? 
waste of my time and energy, right? Like, no, no, I'm not going to reprogram that. So that might be something like your parents teaching you that when you want to learn something, it will be hard in the beginning and to stick with it and to keep spending time and energy and effort and it will get easier. Like that, that's a great way to learn. It's fantastic to stick with something that you feel a desire to learn about and to notice your achievement and your changes over time. That's fantastic programming. It helps it helps you go from laying as an infant to crawling, to walking, to running, to doing all these things that we do as adults that our three-year-old selves wouldn't even have a prayer of doing, right? But then on the other hand, we take on things that make us believe things about ourselves or others that we outgrow and that no longer have a place. And maybe they had a super important place for our ancestors. And scientists are learning or being able to prove that trauma is passed down on the DNA. This was first learned through Holocaust survivors' grandchildren. They found the trauma markers on the grandchildren's DNA. Understandable, right? Like that would be an evolutionary benefit to those grandchildren to take on programming that may help them survive a similar situation. But if you flip that around, the grandchildren hopefully are not going through a similar situation right now, and yet they're using up subconscious energy in their programming to keep them safe from that situation that their grandparents experienced and that might be holding them back from doing what they truly came here to do. And so this stuff can feel really complex. It can feel like, oh my God, how do I even, like, is there a back door into my subconscious? How do I even begin to understand some of these things? Well, the good news is our everyday lives are what actually just shows us what's back there. We don't need to go ferret it out and find it. Trust me, I went through that. I was like, oh, maybe I could just clean it all out at once. Um, apparently not so much. So how do we update our programming? I mean, in addition to the things I talked about, there's so many modalities, but like on a very real day-to-day basis, you can be doing things to update your programming. One of them is just continuing to learn and grow, continuing to question. If you put on your curiosity hat when you're triggered, instead of believing the trigger and actually going into a reaction based on your fight or flight response, or even based on, it's not always going to feel like fight or flight. It could just feel like, like for me at this point in time, I've healed to the point where I notice things that feel sticky that are super subtle. Like it doesn't have to have manifested into or turned into any like major drama or, you know, a full body trigger or anything. I'll just notice I'll be like, huh, I don't, I'm feeling a little off about that. And so as you go through this backlog 
of software programming, basically, that you've had, and you start to align with really who you truly are and what you truly believe in this now moment, so you call back your energy into this moment. I'll give you an example for what's coming up for me right now. My late teens, early adult self is really wanting to get in the mix of what's going on in this country right now. And what I've realized is from an evolutionary perspective for my own journey, the right-wrong part of me, I learned about that as I studied our race relations, as I studied capitalism, as I studied ancient, modern, and postmodern political theory and the way government systems work and incarceration, all those things back when I was in undergrad and grad school. So my evolutionary point with all of it at this point in time is around who am I othering? Who am I making wrong? How do I integrate the values and beliefs and possibility that I hold to be true going forward so that I can be a part of the solution and I don't just get stuck in screaming at the other side, whether that's literal or whether that's you know, kind of in my own mind. And at the same time, that's to honor that like for some people right now, it's really, really important that they're a part of very active activism because that's where they're learning the most for what we're going to need going forward. But the bottom line for all of us is where we're headed is a new integrated way of being. So Ken Wilber is a contemporary philosopher, and if you're not familiar, I highly recommend looking into his work. You can start with his book, A Brief History of Everything. I will only touch on a few quick points, but one of the most important is that we transcend and include As we take on a new perspective or a new way of being, it's critical that we include the positive aspects of the place we're coming from into the next stage of growth that we're at. That's the only way that we become integrated. We can't leave a part of ourselves behind. And what I've noticed is on a personal healing level, taking this back to trauma, we can have had a situation that we felt was traumatizing and maybe nobody, maybe we didn't even know. For me, for many, many years, I didn't even know to put that word on the situation that I had experienced because I had never heard anybody refer to something like what I had been through as traumatic. And so I didn't know that I was experiencing trauma response around it. I didn't know that I had some degree of PTSD. And I think that's true for a lot of us. Because back to like, we get it that a Vietnam War vet's going to be traumatized. We don't necessarily get it when something happened to somebody that seems relatively quote unquote normal, like it happens to all of us. But the thing is, is it's not about what happened. It's about how that person experienced it. 
So I think I've heard some people talk about trauma as saying it's too much, too fast, too soon or something like that. And I like that in terms of it's how you experienced the energy, the emotions, the situation and your ability to cope with it. And if it feel if it felt to your body, your system way too unsafe to be able to deal with it on any level, physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, then it's almost like you have a break in like if we imagine our neurology as highways, it's almost like all of a sudden there's a chunk of the highway taken out. And so then every time we're driving down that road, all of a sudden we get to this like dead end where it's like impossible to leap the car over this missing chunk. But you're like slamming in your brakes because you, you're like, oh my God, I'm about to fall off of this raised freeway down three stories or whatever. Like it's not, this isn't going to pan out. So by healing the trauma, it's like we can put the road back together. And then when we drive over it, it feels like it was just something else that happened in life, not something that is going to kill us. Because whatever it was, and obviously I'm talking past tense, we survived it. But just telling somebody, because I had this happen a couple different times, just telling somebody, well, you survived or you made it or you're still here or something, doesn't replace that chunk of the highway. It's reassuring. It's a good reminder. But it, it, isn't, it isn't the full solution, right? So the first thing would be to sit with What are some of the triggers that continually come up for you? And instead of avoiding those triggers, like get in a safe space, whether that's with yourself and a journal or another person who you trust, maybe a paid professional might be a good idea because um, trauma is really, really, really sensitive. And... When you're in that super safe space, then looking into, okay, what the heck happened? How did I see it at the time? Can I see it as any other different perspectives? And I think that's a really good asterisk. Because if you can't currently see it from other different perspectives, you can't see maybe the perspectives from the other people involved or Maybe you can only see the perspective of somebody else involved, and yet you can't fully identify with your own perspective. That's just as telling, right? So that's a really good sign that something like EMDR might be super helpful. And I'm just going to read from the EMDR Institute. It's emdr.com. I'll put it in the show notes. EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's a psychotherapy enabling people to heal from the symptoms and emotional distress that are the result of disturbing life experiences. Repeated studies show that by using EMDR therapy, people can experience the benefits of psychotherapy that once took years to make a difference. It's widely assumed that severe emotional pain requires a long time to heal. 
EMDR therapy shows that the mind can in fact heal from psychological trauma much as the body recovers from physical trauma. When you cut your hand, your body works to close the wound. If a foreign object or repeated injury irritates the wound, it festers and causes pain. Once the block's removed, healing resumes. EMDR therapy demonstrates that a similar sequence of events occurs with mental processes. The brain's information processing system naturally moves towards mental health. If the system is blocked or imbalanced by the impact of a disturbing event, the emotional wound festers and can cause intense suffering. Once the block is removed, healing resumes. Using the detailed protocols and procedures learned in EMDR therapy training sessions, clinicians help clients activate their natural healing processes. So I'll give you my own personal experience with EMDR. The series of experiences that I went to the therapist to heal, I found somebody intentionally who did EMDR and I had worked with people for literally five years in various modalities and had found a lot of healing in a lot of different ways, a lot of spiritual stuff, a lot of energy trapped in old circumstances, a lot of inherited stuff, but it felt like there was this one last piece left. And the reason it felt like there was this one last piece, it was almost like a shard of glass in your foot or something that keeps like healing over and breaking open, healing over and breaking open. Um, is that any time if I felt safe enough to tell somebody about what happened, I would immediately be hysterical. And so I was like, I can't, <laughs> I can't continue by having this one dot, however many years ago, still bring me to hysterics every single time, no matter how many times. It's just like it isn't processing. And so I found somebody who did EMDR. It was totally an intuitive hit because I opened up the body, the book, The Body Keeps the Score, and I just like literally opened it. I hadn't read it from cover to cover. I just opened up one random page and there it was about EMDR. I was like, okay, apparently that's the next step. And I went to this person and granted, we had to have a few sessions because you, you have to have a couple sessions to even ramp up to being able to do the EMDR process itself because the practitioner needs to understand enough about what neuropathways you have associated so that they can take you through the proper line of questioning for the process to actually work. The actual process itself is so fascinating. She basically took her fingers and went back and forth between my eyeballs. So maybe she was moving her fingers, I don't know, eight or 12 inches Maybe it's more than that. I don't know. Practitioners know what they're doing. And my eyeballs, both of them, were supposed to be following her fingers the whole time. And she would be asking questions. And in response, instead of giving like a story or a long, drawn-out explanation, it's really about like, what are you feeling in your body? What just happened? What just changed? What's releasing? What do you feel now? And I can't tell you what happened. I don't understand that. I can tell you that I felt so much shift and change in my physical body that still to this day, I kind of can't believe it. And it was fast. I mean, it was like part of a session, right? I don't know how long we took to do it. 20 minutes, a half an hour, I have no idea. But this energy moved and it moved in a way that 
I had been completely unable to access through any other method. And she said to me, you know, make sure to drink a lot of water and then rest the rest of the day. Well, I, I had actually like fantastic energy the rest of the day. The following day, I was just wiped, completely exhausted. And basically, I think slept almost the whole day. So if you do happen to do it, know to give yourself some room in your schedule. But I didn't have any giant emotional releases. It wasn't painful. It wasn't hard afterwards. It was kind of more like if you had a crown put on your tooth and then you needed time to kind of like rest and recover and you didn't really feel like eating that much that day until like the numbness and the soreness was gone. But it wasn't, it was just like, you know, the stuff wearing off. It wasn't, there was no pain or anything associated emotionally or otherwise. And I do remember sleeping. I forget if it was a nap or if it was overnight. But I remember having like, I guess you'd call it a dream because it was occurring when I was asleep. But it was an experience. And I saw like flashes of light and almost like ones and zeros, like a computer program. And I knew in that moment that it was my brain reprogramming which was fascinating, right? And and of course, I don't have an explanation for that either. I don't know if other people experience that. I don't know if that's just the way that my brain was handling it or if that's the way my brain was communicating it to me so that I would know something happened. Who knows? But what I can tell you is that what the therapist said to me would be the outcome is exactly what happened. She's like, I, I'm not going to take away that this happened, but it's going to feel to you now like, when you talk about other things that happen, like if you were just going through a timeline of like, okay, well, what are two notable things that happened in 2010 and 2011? And you're just like talking through stuff and you're like neutral, you're fine. That's how it became. Just something else that happened in my life that I remember that obviously has been quite informative on my journey, but not something that immediately like kidnaps all of my energy and my functioning and sends me into a complete and total triggered trauma response. So I feel like one of the reasons that I had that experience with EMDR is to share it and to share widely that we go through a lot as humans. It's hard to be a human being It's hard to nurture and protect and have a child grow up and be completely unscathed by life. The human world is full of contrast that we are not used to experiencing when we are in our soul selves or our spirit selves or, in other words, not in a physical body. It's my belief that on the other side of being physically focused in a human body, our energy is completely diffuse and it's all love. It's all, it's literally higher vibration, which is the reason that you can't see or that many people, some people can, that many people can't see spirit. It's, It's resonating at a different vibration, a higher vibration, literally. And coming into this physical world, we're exposed to a lot of density. We're exposed to a lot of fear. We're exposed to a lot of energies that aren't the truth of who we are. Guilt, shame, blame, 
disgust, disappointment, helplessness, hopelessness. I could go on and on. There are a lot of very heavy, dense vibrations that we take on. It's like clothing that we try on. And they feel like shit because they're not who we are. And they're here to remind us that that's not who you are. But most humans have it confused and see it the opposite way. Oh, I'm feeling this. That must mean there's something wrong with me. And then it becomes something that derives more shame or more guilt or more blame. And that's part of why we find ourselves in this place. And that's why I want to go back to this concept of capitalism. Um, I'm not pro any other type of system that I could put a name to right now. I'm not going to identify myself as a quote-unquote socialist or a communist or this. I guess the only thing I would say is I'm an integratedist. (laughs) I want us to live the vibration of what's truly possible for human beings on Earth, which is the truth of who we are, that we all have incredibly unique gifts, that we all have our own genius. We all come in here as 7 billion pieces of one giant human puzzle. And I would even expand that to say the puzzle isn't just made of humans. It's also made of plants and animals and our entire Mother Earth. And that an orientation towards regeneration and sustainability and I don't just mean yes environmental sustainability but sustainability of everything of all life thriving maybe it's thriveability maybe I'm an integral thriver I don't know it doesn't even matter right but what we have in capitalism is we pin people against each other we have have and have nots and then we make it about the person and their worthiness being tied to whether or not they have or don't have something. And it's why money is such a twisted vibration for most people. Money is literally a concept. It's nothing more than that. It's nothing less than that either. It's a concept. And that concept, the gift of that concept, what it gave us was the ability to deeply connect with other human beings, with other aspects of life, and with our life purpose using this vehicle, this instrument. So if I didn't have money, and nobody had money, I would be responsible for investing my energies into everything that it took to simply sustain my life, my life, right? So I'd need to grow my own food. I'd need to figure out how to get rid of my own waste. I would need to build my own house. Like that takes a lot of focused energy. And that's how human beings lived for a really, really, really long time. And then we realized we could start trading things that had value with people. Okay. So then we evolved into a place where instead of trading specific things, we would trade this kind of universal thing that had value to everybody. And through that universal thing that had value, we would each be able to play a part or play our role of what we came here to do. But we got confused along the way. 
And we started giving some people roles through twisted up power, like power not as personal power. I know who I am as a soul. I know who I am as love. I intuitively know what's best for me. I know what my gifts. That's actual like aligned power, right? It was power over others. It was power in the form of, oh, there's this universal tool called money that if I get enough of it, then I can have anything I want. And so I'm going to be willing to abuse other people to fill my pile. And through that programming and through that way of being, you then see what I just saw on Instagram yesterday, which was a juxtaposition of people carrying signs who were protesting to not have their local services closed for COVID. And they said things like, I need a massage. I need my hair done. Or I open my salon. And the other one I saw was open the strip club. And then each of those photos was juxtaposed with a photo from the Black Lives Matter protests with like, for example, a young girl, maybe five or six years old with a sign that says like, I just want to live. Don't shoot me. So it's really easy when you see those things to start immediately assigning blame and calling the people holding the signs about massage parlors and strip clubs and hair salons shallow, right? Of course, that's a very natural place to go. And it is a system who created all of the signs that all of the human beings are carrying. It is a system that created our complete void of emotions in public, so much so that we're now needing to have a lot of emotions in public in order to start even reintegrating that emotional response is normal and expected. And I liken our, and hang with me here, it might seem circuitous, but I'm going somewhere. I liken our lack of emotional response to, um, or like the collective unappeal of people having an emotional response in public, or even oftentimes in private, to going all the way back to potty training a child. When a child is potty trained, uh, the short of it is basically, here's the toilet. You go in the toilet. You get taught that no longer are we going to accept putting something on your body, a diaper or whatever, to catch this waste. It actually goes over here. You're old enough to understand that now. Go put it over here. It needs to leave. You need to flush it. And then by the time they go to school, they're able to understand that Everybody doesn't essentially want your waste in the middle of a classroom. So please go use the toilet, flush it, come back. Fantastic. It's a system that works pretty well. Now, when it comes to emotions, many, many, many children right around the same ages get taught instead, don't cry, 
Don't scream. Don't throw a temper tantrum. Don't react whatever way you're reacting. And sure as heck, don't do that in public. Don't do that in the classroom. Don't do that around other people. And that is simply our emotional version of waste. So we have our physical waste that we know what to do with. And then we have our emotional waste that we have no idea what to do with. Emotions are a part of the human experience. They're our GPS. That's what I spent the last two solo episodes talking about. And if we don't reintegrate emotional experience as a part of who we are, then we don't have any idea what to do with these emotions. And they're really, really, really big when they've been stored up. And so sometimes they come out in inappropriate ways. And I'm not talking at all about protests right now. I'm just talking about like maybe you're in a conversation that gets intense with somebody and all of a sudden you start screaming or they're raging at you or something. And you're like, what? How did, how did this escalate so quickly? And it becomes kind of bonkers. Um, well, it's because you're dealing with somebody who doesn't have an integrated emotional response. They were taught, like most humans were taught that their emotions weren't wanted anywhere. And then there's some point in time where you just can't bottle them up anymore <laughs> and they're going to come out. But the problem is nobody's, well, most people haven't been taught like where to go with them or what to do with them or where to put them. And the short of that, I would say, is reintegrate your inner toddler having a little personal temper tantrum, especially when you have like safe private space is really fantastic. Feels really good in the body. Shake. Shaking feels really, really good. Stomping feels good. Um, Dancing can help a lot. It doesn't always have to be heavy. You could be running. You could be moving. Running's really great for anger. I noticed you can kind of like breathe it out. You're breathing so hard anyway. Um, But with anger also, you can write down what you're feeling specifically say everything you want and need to say and then burn it safely um i like flushing the ashes too it feels extra good to like have water element involved you can vocalize you can get into the car roll up the windows turn up the music and scream say whatever you need to say out loud move the energy recognize that it's healthy to move the energy And then you don't get so scared when you feel emotions coming because there's not this whole backlog of energy. You're not releasing an emotional dam in the moment that something happens. You're only actually really present with what is. And then obviously, same with crying. I feel like women have been conditioned that it's more acceptable to cry than to be angry. And men have been conditioned that it's more acceptable to be angry than to cry. And the reality is all humans need both. (laughs) So what does all of this have to do back with what I was talking about with the protesting and everything, I truly believe that a healed, integrated human being cannot commit the atrocities. They cannot, in alignment and in good conscience, be a part of the government systems that continue to disproportionately incarcerate black men. They cannot be a part of healthcare legislation that continues to only reward healthcare to people with certain job types and make healthcare incredibly expensive and in effect kind of useless for everybody else. Once you've reintegrated your own personal traumas, you also recognize a trauma in others. I, not for a freaking split second, will try to say that I have any idea what it's like to be a black person 
in the U.S. Uh, in this moment or f- for the rest of their lives up until this moment? I have no freaking idea. But what I can tell you is that when someone says to me, this re-triggers some really, really, really deep trauma in me by watching that video of George Floyd, I can say, yeah, yeah. How can I best support you? I love you. So while I can't understand the particulars, I know what it feels like to be stuck in this trauma cage that you feel like you can't get out of. Not until all of us have the chance to heal will we truly be able to thrive as seven billion pieces of one human being. But along the way, for every single one of us that does heal, we also cause a ripple effect and we also anchor onto the earth a higher vibration that everybody who comes in contact with us benefits from. And maybe my healing inspires one person to go heal. Maybe it's 2.8 or whatever the number is of of people, average people that you infect if you have the coronavirus. (laughs) Maybe it's five, maybe it's, or six, maybe it's twice as many as people you would infect with a coronavirus. But with a virus, you can see at least a little bit more easily how what you're carrying in you affects other people, right? So let's use that, flip it on its head, and remember that for every single one of us who heals deeply within and continues to learn and to grow and to anchor in the highest vibration, which is that it is possible for every human being to thrive. It is possible to live a life where in every decision, big or perceived big or small, you can see, are you taking the perspective of synergy, of regeneration, of sustainability, of thriving for everybody involved, Or are you taking a survival mode perspective that primarily has you winning or somebody else winning, but at the cost of the other person involved? And maybe the cost is perpetually feeling like it's to you. Maybe you always feel like everybody else is winning, but you're not. All the more reason to go heal that trauma because you did not come here to perpetually live out a victim story. You did not come here to watch the movie of your life and see yourself as a victim for the rest of your life. Yes, we have all experienced victimized energy, victimized circumstances, things where we in a million years would not have chosen to have the thing happen that happened. And the whole point of this is that I'm not minimizing that at all. I'm saying, heal. It's a grand gift to give to yourself. And when you give that gift to yourself, that gift is given exponentially to the world around you. So as the outside world continues to seem so 
fractured, fragmented, scary, um, full of contradictory, competing information, come home to yourself. Come home. Bring all of your parts back home. All of your aspects of self, all of your energy, all of your iterations back to this moment. Do EMDR. Go to a network spinal chiropractor. Work with an energy healer. Work with a coach. Find out what your true north is. Turn your personal GPS back on. But whatever you do, don't give up. And I would implore you to stop giving your power away to the things that feel helpless and hopeless. And sometimes that even means getting really clear on how many conversations a day you have about what's going on in the external world and instead vowing to spend more time internally with yourself because there's a time for gathering together and figuring out the way forward and there's a time for going in and healing and only you know which end of the spectrum you're on or which combination of energies you're currently experiencing but there's a lot in the outside world right now that is begging of your attention from the news and from social media and from other people. For a while, it was every conversation somehow went back to the coronavirus and now every conversation somehow goes back to our race relations. And these are important things. And keep your eye on the ball. When you are healed or healing and you are whole, you are so much more effective is that one piece that you came to play in this beautiful puzzle of humanity that will rise, is rising to integrated thriving. And I'll leave you with this one last analogy. We are on the bridge right at the tollway. We are coming up to the toll booth We are paying our toll. We are stuck in the traffic right now. That is inevitable when all the cars have to be log jammed into relatively few lanes in order to pay the toll. It will open up. We will be on the bridge to a new earth before we know it. But be with what is now. Be with what you're feeling. Be with yourself. Only your own intuition and your own GPS knows what piece you're meant to play right now and what your own being is asking from you as all of humanity steps up its game and learns to live a new way with each other. I love you so much. And I'm reminding you for you to love you.